You're listening to Campus Review Radio. I'm Patrick Avenal and I'm the news editor at Campus Review. This week in Melbourne, Universities Australia hosted a symposium to discuss the role that philanthropy can play in funding universities. Belinda Robinson is the chief executive of Universities Australia. I spoke with her today about this symposium and I started by asking her to provide an overview of what was discussed and who was there. So earlier in the year, um, there was uh, established a working group called the Philanthropy in Australian Higher Education Working Group, which was chaired by Professor Glyn Davis, who of course is the Vice-Chancellor of Melbourne University. And the work of this, I was a member of that of that group, uh, and the work of that group was really looking at, or um, was conscious of the fact that Australia's philanthropic capability and capacity was not at the same level of um, of the US and, and even the UK. And so we were very interested in looking at what was it that needed to be done in Australia to help uh, strengthen and lift the level of capability and capacity across the sector in relation to philanthropy and advancement. Uh, And so this report was completed earlier in the year and it identified six different areas where universities, peak bodies, membership organisations and the government could work together and collectively on lifting the, um, the philanthropic endeavour um, across the sector. Um, and so one of the recommendations from that was for um, uh, the peak body, so in this case University of Australia, could help facilitate uh, through workshops and so on um, uh, facilitate the, the, the building and strengthening of, of capability and capacity. So this workshop that was held yesterday uh, was the first step in that direction. And so what we conducted yesterday was a workshop which was jointly run by ourselves, Universities of Australia, uh, and CASE, which is the Council for the Advancement and Support of Education, which is the international uh, professional body on philanthropy and advancement. A fantastic body that does a lot of work with universities and groupings of universities like ourselves all around the world on um, supporting uh, universities and the university sector philanthropic um, effort. And so yesterday, as I say, we held our first uh, workshop. Um, it was very, very successful. We had around 86 people attend. It was specifically focused on and um, directed towards senior leaders, vice-chancellors and senior leaders, in recognising that in building a culture of philanthropy and advancement institution absolutely has to come from the top. Um, So most universities, as you know, have engagement and advancement offices, but if we're going to make real headway, there needs to be um, a culture which... Uh, a culture which goes permeates throughout the institution and for that to occur it really does need strong um, leadership to champion the value and the importance of a philanthropic culture in the university. What does that strong leadership look like? Uh, so we had, yesterday we had um, a number of vice-chancellors talking about how that, their approach to um, 
building that culture in the institution. And it, and, and it, it requires, uh, it, I mean, it's, every institution does things in different ways. But in general, some of the common themes were having that personal commitment by vice-chancellors to advancement in the university. And one of our vice-chancellors, for example, when asked about how much of their time do they put into advancement, his comment was, well, I'm actually thinking about it 100% of the time. You know, advancing the university is, is what my job is all about. Um, and that's not, of course, to say that he physically is working on advancement 100% of the time, but it was a really interesting insight into the, rec the increasing recognition that um, advancement is a key, a key part of what universities um, need to do in their strategic thinking. Um, so, it looked, it, so, so having that vice chancellor engagement, that personal investment in the value of advancement is certainly one of the elements that came through the workshop yesterday. Another one is recognising that advancement is no longer about you know, a couple of advancement officers sitting in a dark and dingy office at the back of the campus somewhere. It's actually a whole of institution activity requiring whole of institution approach. So some of the greatest champions of universities are, of course, the academy and the academics themselves. And so one of the challenges that was addressed in one of the workshops yesterday was how, you know, what are some of the tips and tricks um, needed and, and information that's been shared around ideas for how we engage with the academy more broadly and how institutions engage their academics to, um, I guess, travel with them on this journey to hopefully, at the end of the journey, um, have established a really strong philanthropic and advancement culture in the institution. And the keys to it also around understanding why donors give to universities. What are they looking for? What are they looking for? And how you work with them on achieving what it is that they're looking for. Well, of course, it varies on the donor, but most, one of the things we heard is that most donors are not looking for um, are not looking uh, uh, for recognition. They just believe passionately in something, whether it's something in the medical area or in the arts or in helping those from more disadvantaged backgrounds go to universities who wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to do so. It's about finding. It's about them being able to deliver on something that they feel very strongly about, and it's about building those relationships. You know, there was a lot of talk yesterday around you know universities you know they don't want to be um, they don't want to be institutions or institutions where they're asking they want to be an institution of philanthropy and you know there was discussion around how that's a very big difference um, the difference between asking for something uh, and having this culture of philanthropy where you're working with the community more broadly and those who are looking to universities to deliver on a particular project that they feel very strongly about and maintain the relationships with those people and ensuring that they um, that they're getting what it is that they that they want um, and the, the, the relationships with them are maintained for the long term a lot of discussion around the long-term nature of these partnerships a discussion that you know if any uh, if anyone thinks that you can uh, uh, you know, pop in your strategic plan how much uh, money you want to have raised by your engagement officers or your advancement officers 
by the end of the year and hope that they'll just get on and do it, they, they will never realise the expectations um, that they have because this is a long-term game and it's one, it's a team effort. It's an effort where everyone in the institution has a role to play. So I think they were some of the key, um, some of the key themes that came through from yesterday. You talk about it being a, a top-down sort of strategy, and obviously, uh, I think people can imagine the sort of things that vice chancellors and chairmen and uh, deputy vice chancellors or pro vice chancellors sort of have to do with the networking. What sort of stuff do sort of professor level and lecturer level uh, staff? What role do they have to play in this culture of philanthropy? Well, of course, many of them um, are already involved in the philanthropic effort. Many of their projects, many of their research programs, may actually be funded through um, through philanthropic um, uh, donors, and so many of them already are engaged in that. I think a couple of issues that came through in relation to that was one was that there needs to be a whole of institution um, approach to philanthropy. You know, you can't have um, you know some some professors going off to some potential um, funders and working up relationships in isolation from um, other parts of the institution. There needs to be a coordinated approach. But another key issue was that you know it's the it's, it's the work that the professors do that potential donors are most passionate about. And so, you know, the, the, the importance of having academics um, and professors understanding the strategic value of, and I don't mean in economic sense, but in all senses, of philanthropy and, you know, working as part of the team on um, identifying and building relationships with those who see the universities as creating the opportunity for them to deliver on something they feel passionate about was really um, reinforced over and over again yesterday. And as I say, there was a whole separate workshop on that in the afternoon. Is there a difference to how a sort of an old-fashioned, for want of a better term, prestige, well-known sandstone university like Sydney or Melbourne goes about uh, fundraising and how perhaps one of the smaller, not as front of mind universities, say like a CQU or a Flinders or a Victoria University goes about uh, philanthropizing? So one of the key issues that was raised yesterday was the first step in being successful in advancement is to understand your particular circumstances and the mission of your institution because what will work for one university will not work for another. And the sorts of motivations that um, potential donors have in contributing to a university will vary considerably between institutions. So I wouldn't even necessarily say that um, there's a difference between um, a smaller regional university and the large group of eight uh, universities because it actually might even vary between the old universities depending on what their particular mission is and, of course, depending on what it is that those who are interested in giving to their institutions, what it is that they're looking to achieve through their contributions. So this was a very strong point that came up again and again. It was about knowing um, what your institution is good at and, and, you know, maybe on occasions you actually have to let a potential gift off the table because it doesn't fit with the university's mission. 
but so critically important in knowing what your vision is, what your mission, what the mission is of the university, so that you're in a position to be able to best match what it is the donor is seeking to achieve with what the university is seeking to achieve. And unless you've got that match, then it's going to be very difficult to end up with a successful relationship. Throughout 2016 and uh, all the years of the Abbott-Turnbull governments, there has been sort of like a culture of the government trying to relieve some of its burden in education funding and foist it onto business or onto just somebody else. How much pressure do you feel at UA to come up with uh, solutions for new funding to fill potential shortfalls? Look, our position is that philanthropic giving should never be a substitute for proper public investment in universities. Universities uh, deliver a public good, they deliver a good for the nation and having a well-educated uh, workforce is in the best interest uh, not only of the graduates of course but of the, of the country as a whole. So we will, um, we're very strong on this point that philanthropic giving is not about, is not about substituting for fair investment in universities to enable universities to do the things that government expect them to do, to provide the services that government is purchasing from the universities, and that is a well-educated uh, workforce and also the sort of uh, research that, um, particularly pure and basic research, but applied research as well, where uh, there may not be, uh, at least in the first instance, the market um, demand for that research. So I think we absolutely have to look at philanthropy in that context. How apprised is Education Minister Simon Birmingham of that view? Um, so Simon Birmingham um, presented at the conference, or it's not a conference, but presented at our symposium uh, yesterday. And so I suppose um, the question is better put uh, to him. But nevertheless, um, he didn't make any suggestion in his comments that he felt that ph philanthropy was a substitute for um, public investment. Uh, nevertheless, as you might expect, and as we support too, um, he did acknowledge the very important role that philanthropy pays. And look, from our perspective, it's not just, it's not just about the money, it's actually about engagement um, with the communities that universities serve as well. Um, you know, advancement has a really profound role to play in connecting universities with their communities and connecting communities with their universities. And so I think we've got to be a little bit careful that we're not just coming at this discussion from the, from the perspective that this is all about the dollars. Thinking about University Australia and your constituent universities' relationship with the government through 2016, how would you characterise the year?
through this year and there's been no shortage of commentary and ideas around what that package might look like. Clearly the challenge for the government will be um, to what extent they're able to get uh, any changes through this particular parliament and what those changes might look like. From our own perspective, as I said in a um, press club address a couple of years ago, education and higher education in particular, all education, but I'm speaking on behalf of higher education, really should rise above the, um, the, the, the should really rise above party politics. We should have bipartisan support for higher education research in this country and bipartisan agreement on how higher education is funded and structured and that continues to be um, a key point for us. And so we would hope that if there are going to be any changes, that those changes could be agreed by both major parties rather than using higher education as a political football of differentiation in the lead up to an election. And what other issues are on your 2017 wish list? Well, we've got um, the International Education Strategy was released uh, earlier in the year and the establishment of the International Education Council, of which I'm a member of. So there is going to be a lot of work on identifying what are some of the key priorities around ensuring that we can sustain, maintain and even enhance Australia as a destination of choice for international students, but also in broadening and deepening um, the Australian, educa Australian education uh, relationships that we have with the rest of the world through things like research collaboration, outbound mobility, um, programs that see much greater exchange between industry uh, in Australia and industry overseas and our own students and international students coming to Australia. So next year, I think one of our key priorities will be around um, strengthening, securing, maintaining and enhancing um, the international education uh, policy framework. Um, also, of course, uh, we have the release, we have the release of the National Innovation and Science Agenda, uh, and we and the ongoing uh, implementation of some of the elements of that. There will be a pilot next year around um, impact and engagement measures. I was also on the oversight committee developing. Um, the approach to that, so that's going to be piloted next year, and I think there will be some really interesting lessons learned from that uh, from that pilot process. I'm a big fan of pilots when it comes to big, bold policy uh, measures rather than jumping straight into them. Um, and so, rolling that pilot out and learning the lessons for that for application more broadly as governments seek to have universities engage more closely with industry, I think, will also be a very interesting and valuable piece. Uh, piece of work. Um, we do expect to see the NISA phase two being uh, announced next year, um, which will follow on from the original uh, NISA, uh, looking at perhaps further evolving some of those programs. So I don't think there's going to be any shortage, and of course, uh, right at the centre will be the government's determination to bring in a package of measures around higher education policy reform, which will be built partly on the process that's currently underway on um, the cost of delivery exercise that the government uh, commissioned recently. Uh, we will also see 
uh, the implementation or the response, the government's response to the Higher Education Standards Panel report on admissions transparency and then in turn the implementation of those recommendations that are accepted by the government. So that will be a really interesting um, piece of work to keep us occupied next year. And then of course, as we know, the government has also commissioned the Higher Education Standards Panel to explore more deeply issues around attrition, retention and completion. So that'll be another piece of work that we'll be heavily involved with. So I don't think there's going to be short, any shortage of work next year to keep us occupied.